still remember the very first time I put on glasses. I was in Fort Worth, Texas. I was a seminary student, had been living out there for about a year and a half, and somewhere along that time, I began to notice that the street signs in Fort Worth began to get blurry. And so for the first time in my memory, I went to an eye doctor, and of course, he prescribed me glasses, said probably all the reading and studying had caused my eyes to weaken like that. So he prescribed some glasses to me, and we ordered them, and then I went to the mall one day to pick them up. The lady placed the glasses on my face like this. She made sure they were positioned well and everything. And then she said, now turn around and look out into the mall. And that is the moment that is etched in my mind even 35 years later. When I put those glasses on for the very first time in my life and turned around and looked out into the mall, I saw things I had never seen before or I saw things and I could, I could see clearly what they were. In other words, I didn't realize how blurry things were until I could see them clearly. I did not realize how bad my eyes had gotten until I put these glasses on and had a new perspective and I was fascinated with that new perspective. Now it's interesting, my circumstances never changed. My eyes continued just the way they were. They did not suddenly improve, but my perspective changed because of the glasses. Sometimes in life, God gives us a different pair of glasses to view what we're going through. Our circumstances may or may not change, but he gives us a different way of looking at it, a different perspective, and that makes all the difference. So here's what we're going to be looking at in this series Is happiness dependent on whatever life throws our way, or is there another way that we can experience happiness? Is it possible that we can find peace in the midst of chaos? Is it possible that we can have joy in our lowest moments? I think it all comes down to perspective. Now let me give you a definition of perspective. Look here. Perspective is a particular attitude or way of regarding something. Or, I like this one, it's a point of view. In other words, your perspective is the way you see something. Now, there's two interesting things about the way you see something. Two interesting things about perspective. First of all, look at this. We can both look at the same thing and have a different opinion. That's perspective. We can both look at at the same experience, the same circumstances, the same situation, and yet have a very different opinion about it. If you're a farmer, you might look at the forecast and say, wow, it's going to rain Saturday. That's great. Our crops need it. But if you had a day planned for the lake on Saturday and saw the forecast was rain, you probably wouldn't be excited. Looking at the same situation but from a different perspective and having a different opinion. Spring is another example. Spring may be your favorite time of the year because everything is is blooming and everything is pretty. But if you have hay fever and allergies, spring may be your least favorite time of the year. You see, perspective is the way you see life. And Perspective is the way somehow or sometimes that you approach life because you approach life based on the way that you view life. Here's the second interesting thing about perspective. Sometimes you can actually change your perspective. That is, you can actually look at the same situation that had troubled you, but now you look at it in a different way. And that different perspective helps you imagine a more positive outcome in your story perfect example of that in the Bible is the story of Joseph. You, 
you probably know the story of young Joseph as he's sold into slavery by his brothers. He's falsely accused. He's jailed. He's forced to live in a foreign land. Nothing about that situation was good. Nothing about that situation was positive. And yet later, he looked back on that troubled time and he said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. What if you could look at something in your life, a time in your life that's been bad, and all of a sudden you have a different perspective and see it was good? That's really what we're going to be talking about today and in this series. In this first message on perspective, I want to look at one verse in the Bible that is actually a testimony of someone who had that exact experience. He looked at a situation that was bad, but when he looked back on the situation with perspective, he said it was good. Psalm 119, if you perhaps have closed your Bible or forgotten the reference, Psalm 119, verse 71. Now, as you're finding that reference... If you're not familiar with Psalm 119, this psalm is a devotional, really, on the Word of God. It's the longest psalm in the Bible, and it is is a devotional about the Bible, or a psalm written about the Bible. Now, we don't know who the author of Psalm Psalm 119 is. It's unknown. But we do know this. He was passionately devoted to the Word of God. Let me just give you three examples here that come from Psalm 119. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 18, he says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Verse 24, he says, your statutes are my delights, they are my counselors. In other words, the person who wrote this psalm, whoever he was, was passionately involved in the word of God. And yet, this very same psalm, he humbly acknowledges his errant ways. He humbly acknowledges that he's straight in his heart. He humbly acknowledges that he has had problems in life. And he also confesses that he has known the pain of God's discipline. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to read things like that in the Bible. I'm glad to know that the Bible shows us real people with real problems who are having real struggles because that's how we understand how a real God can change our lives. Now, verse 71 is a testimony of someone who gained valuable perspective as he looked back over his life. Here's what he said. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Now what I want to do is just break that verse down phrase by phrase today. Let's look at the first part of this. It was good for me to be afflicted. You know when you're afflicted That means you have problems. When you're afflicted, that means that pain fills your life. And we usually don't see those times as good. We rarely would look at something that is painful and say, that's good. We rarely would look at something that's a troubling time for our family and say, that's good. And when you understand what this word afflicted means in the Hebrew language, this statement is even more astounding. The Hebrew word literally means to be humbled or to be oppressed, or to suffer. In other words, the psalmist was saying, it was good for me to be humbled. It was good for me to be oppressed. It was good for me to suffer. It's interesting, that word afflicted here, 
is such a strong word. It is the exact same word, the exact same Hebrew word that Isaiah used to prophetically describe the suffering that Christ endured on the cross. Isaiah 53, verse 4, very interesting. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him, watch this, stricken by God, smitten by him, by God, and afflicted. There's that word. It's interesting, in this context, Isaiah 53 and Psalm 119, both of those use the word afflicted, and in both situations, that word is referring to something that God does to us. Make sure you hear that. In both Psalm 119 and in Isaiah 53, this word afflicted indicates something that God is doing to us. So when we go to Psalm 119 and we look at the writer of Psalm 119 as he's giving his testimony, how could he encounter this trouble? How could he encounter all of these problems in his life and say, it was good for me? Well, that's where perspective comes in. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Let me give you a couple of key words in this verse that I want to make sure you mark in your Bible or in your notes if you're taking notes in your notebook. Look at these key words. First of all, the word was. It was good for me. He did not say it is good for me. In other words, he's speaking after the event. He's not speaking in the midst of the trouble. He's not speaking in the midst of the pain. He's not speaking in the midst of the heartache. He's speaking after that. And he's looking back on it. That's why he uses the word, it was good for me. And then I want you to notice this phrase, so that. He viewed his affliction as a catalyst to turn him back to God and back to God's word. He had perspective. Later, after it was over, he was able to look back and see the catalyst that God used in his life. To see the catalyst as, a, as God's way of turning him back to him and to his word. Now, to really understand what we mean by turning him back, you need to go back a few verses to verse 67. Look at verse 67. Here's what he said. Before I, went, before I was afflicted, I went astray. And now, I obey your word. Before I was afflicted, he's given us his testimony. Prior to the affliction... He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. I knew better, but I did it anyway. I went astray. I I, I started going after some things I shouldn't have gone after. Something else grabbed my attention. Before I was afflicted, he said, I went astray. I knew better, but I kept going. Then he says, but now, but now I, I obey your word. And so we could look at that experience and hear that testimony and say, well, what made the difference? What what was it that that caused you to have this change of heart? What made the difference that now you're obeying God's word when before you weren't? That now you're walking with God when before you were astray? What made the difference? If we could ask the author, he would say this, I was afflicted. And it was by God's hand. It was from God's hand. If you're a parent, you you may know what this is like. 
Have you ever done this to your kids? You've been in public and maybe they're acting up a little bit and you don't want to put on a show and you don't want to cause a scene or anything like that. So you just kind of put your hand on his or her shoulder and you just tap it a little bit. If they don't get the point, what do you do? Well, if you're like me, you grab that part of the shoulder right there and you just nudge it a little bit. You know, just trying to get their attention. Like, calm down, be quiet. And then if they don't get the point, what do you do? You go to level three. You grab that and you just squeeze as hard as you need to squeeze. And you keep squeezing until you get their attention. In other words, listen to what you do. You increase the pressure until they feel the pain. You know what I found out? God does that same thing. When you're a child of God and you begin to stray, God knows how to increase the pressure until you feel the pain. I know that's not something that would be popular to say. I know that's not the positive type message that you perhaps want to hear. But here's what I want you to hear. God cares about the direction of your life. And he wants you to care about it too. Sometimes affliction comes into our lives. And I'm not saying that everything bad that happens to us is God trying to put pressure on you. I'm not saying that everything, all the troubles that are in your life is because there's something wrong with your life. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying this. You know when you've strayed. You know deep down if your heart is not with God. You know if you've wandered from Him and His Word. And if you begin to feel the pressure... God wants you to feel the pain. Sometimes God will put us through things that we would never choose so that we'll come back to the one we thought we would never leave. Generally speaking, I found that most people don't abandon God on purpose. They don't abandon the ways of God because they're looking for trouble. Generally speaking, they stray from the Lord because the alternate route looks appealing. For whatever reason. That other route looks appealing right now. Didn't look appealing last year, five years ago. I never would have even considered that route. But today, for whatever reason, that route looks appealing. For whatever reason, that route seems to offer me something I'm missing. And here's what I've learned through my own struggles and through years of being a pastor. Whatever captures your attention will determine your direction. Whatever it is that grabs your attention, if you're not careful, it will determine your direction. That's why Colossians says this in Colossians 3.2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So can I ask you a question? What has caught your attention lately? Is it the things of God? Is it the things above? Or is it earthly things? What has caught your attention lately? If you look back at verse 67 again, the psalmist says, when I went astray, in other words, When my attention went in that direction, all of a sudden my attention went in a different direction and I went astray. Then he says, but because of God's affliction, God turned my attention back to him. Look at verse 67, then I want to make sure you read what he says in verse 68. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But then God got my attention, parentheses, God got my attention. And now, or but now, I obey your word. But look what he says in verse 68. You are good, and what you do is good. You see, God is always working for our good, 
even when it hurts. And the psalmist understood that. He understood that the affliction is not good, but God is good. He understood that the problems he was going through, there was nothing good about those problems except that those problems were what God used to turn him back to the one he had neglected. And when the affliction gets your attention and you turn back to your father, that's when you gain perspective. Now, as the psalmist looks back on his pain and his problems, this is what he concludes in verse 71 and 72. He says, it was good for me. There's that word again, this word good. Verse 71, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. And then he says in verse 72, the law of your mouth or the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Isn't that interesting? There was something previous to this that grabbed his attention and he was strained from the Lord seeking that. But now that the affliction has turned him back around, now that he's come back to God and to the word of God, he says, you know what I found? On the other side of all of that, I have found that I treasure God's word more than I treasure anything. And I say to you, that's perspective. Perspective is when you're able to look back and you, on your pain and your problems and you see a purpose. You're able to look back on all the pain and all the problems that you went through and you're able to see God's purpose in it all. It's interesting what this affliction did for the psalmist. It, uh, the affliction he endured really did two things. In verse 71 he says it increased his loyalty to God's word. Look at verse 71. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. That the affliction in his life actually increased his loyalty to God's word. Now he's learning God's word and living God's word where before he was neglecting and strained from it. So the affliction was good because it increased his loyalty to God's word. But the affliction was also good because it helped him clarify what was best in his life. Verse 72 We've already read it. The law of your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Now here's the hard truth I want you to hear. God's grace is sometimes disguised as pain. God cares about you. God cares about the direction of your life. And God wants you to care about it too. So he says in verse 75... I was astounded when I, when I kept reading through the Scripture and I came to verse 75. He says in verse 75, I know, O Lord, that your laws are righteous. And watch this. And in faithfulness, you have afflicted me. In faithfulness, you have afflicted me. In faithfulness. Not because you're a bad God or a mean God. You're a faithful God. In fact, God, you're more faithful to me than I am to you. And in your faithfulness to me, you have afflicted me. You see, often we don't understand God's goodness toward us until we see the results that come from that affliction. Often we don't understand that it was good for me to be afflicted until we're on the other side of it and we look back at it and we see what God did. Perhaps God is using this affliction in your life to turn you back to the one you strayed from. I mean, if, if, think about it this way. If both you and God care about your future, why would you resist Him? If both you and God care about your future, why would you ignore Him? 
if both you and God care about your future, why would you stray from Him? Maybe it's time to stop resisting and stop ignoring and stop denying and maybe it's time to turn back to God and ask for His forgiveness. That's the story of the prodigal son, isn't it? He came to his senses and he said, I'm going back to my father. I have strayed and I'm going to go back to my father and say, Father, I have sinned. The psalmist, whoever he was, unknown to us, but known in heaven, said it was good for me to be afflicted because now I've turned back to the God I had neglected. You probably have noticed this brick on the table. Samuel Bringle was a worker with the Salvation Army in Boston many, many years ago. And as he was passing by a saloon one night, some men in the bar who were drunk and carousing and all of that saw the preacher walk by and one of the men picked up a brick and threw it at him. It was actually a pretty good shot because they hit him right in the head and they nearly killed him. Actually, Samuel Bringle spent 18 months in recovery from that brick. And during that time, he wrote a little book. During that 18 months of recovery, he wrote a little book called Helps to Holiness. Thousands of copies were made. After he was able to begin preaching again, 18 months later, he slowly began to preach again. And people would often come up to him and thank him for the book. And then he would say to them this, If there had been no little brick, there would have been no little book. That's perspective. His wife actually saved the brick that was thrown at him. And she had engraved on the side of the brick, Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That's perspective. You may be going through some hard times right now, and maybe the world is throwing some bricks at you. Or maybe God's trying to get your attention. Regardless what it is. Sometimes we have to pause and say, have I strayed from my first love? And if you have, he invites you to turn around. There's always a turning point, isn't there? The turning point many times for the Christian is affliction. It was good for me to be afflicted, he said, so that I might turn back to your word and turn back to you. I hope you'll do that today. Would you bow your heads as we pray about that? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those dear brothers and sisters who are perhaps struggling right now with all that's happening in their life and for those who are really struggling through affliction and even affliction that may be from your hand. Turn their hearts, turn their lives back to you. May they understand that your love is sometimes disguised in pain. And may they come back willingly and gladly to the Father and to the Word they have neglected. And I pray they'll have perspective that they'll be able one day to share with somebody else the perspective of the good things that came out of that bad time. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.